Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Backblaze and Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a video producer (laughs) at Polygon.com, and I'm joined tonight by Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Developer Advocate. I remembered it right. And Brianna Wu, Democratic Candidate for Congress. What up? Now I just suddenly got some weird (laughs) hiccups. What's up with that? Ladies, what's up with that? It's just what the random like roulette wheel of, wheel of weirdness is going to be. Simone. That's what's we don't happening. know what it's going to be today. It's hiccups. There it I is. really hope I have them still during the ad reads. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like that would be. I know that that. Well, honestly, that is probably actually what our advertisers want. If we're being totally yeah, honest. yeah, they they yeah, want people it. to listen to my hiccups. That's true. When that's will true. I be invited <laughs> to host HQ? <laughs> uh, I would HQ. watch that. Oh I would too, God. actually. I we, actually we, we, can't stop thinking about it because my very first thought when I first played HQ was, this seems like the worst job in the world. This seems, <laughs> like, terrifying. And it's I've oh, yeah. only seen it mess up once where Scott had to, like, ad-lib while he was waiting for the next question and the next question just wasn't coming up and wasn't coming up. But, oh, my gosh, it seems terrifying. It does, but he also seems to. But, but it also seems like it's probably fairly lucrative for for him for right now. Like certainly more lucrative than uh, what um you know like doing jokes on you know be, being like a, a barely making it comedian. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. Fortunately, I have a job and healthcare, and I don't need to make jokes on your phone for money. I mean, I guess that is technically what I do. Actually, that is I, mm, my literal yeah. job <laughs> description. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> jokes and tech commentary on your phone for money Simone Rochefort's story <laughs> Christina it was really you're nice saying, to see you this week you're saying you do it for money every week Simone yes so we all all of us do it for we money it. on the show yep. yep that's right I live <laughs> we hustle. for money <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh. yeah so I saw Christina this week and that was really fun yes it was we enjoyed it and we forgot to take a picture together because we're we fools did. Because we're ridiculous. Because we're on our phones twenty four seven. Yet we forgot to take photos together. But, I was so yeah, we got like, to have lunch. Stressed out because of the shoot that I had coming up right after that. It just completely left my mind. How did it feel to be back in New York City? I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Um, it, I, I I tweeted about this uh, on, on Tuesday. So. I had a million phone calls on Monday, as I'm sure you probably did too, Simone, um, because of the the the, the aborted um, attempted bombing. Um, I, you know, if you live in New York or if you're in New York, it doesn't matter if it's 100 miles away. People will call and will will be concerned. And that's look, that's wonderful because it means people care. So first, uh, my husband texted me, and usually he's not one who will like, text about that. But because the the bombing happened or, or the attempted bombing happened at um. Or whatever it was, because the explosion took place um, at Port Authority, that's really close to Microsoft's um, uh, New York office. And so even though it was early in the morning, he was texting me to make sure that I hadn't for some reason decided to go down to the office. So he so so he checked. Then my sister texted me. Then my mom calls me. She's kind of freaking out. She's fine. Then my boss um, sent me a, a text a couple hours later, which was very nice. And I, I, I confirmed that, that I was OK. Well, the next day, Tuesday, I happened to be... At the Port Authority ACE train, which is exactly where this whole thing took place, getting off the station so that I could go to Times Square and have lunch with my new my newlywed uh, friends, Allie and Jonathan. Uh, we went to oh. Guy Fieri's. Uh, oh, uh, that's yes. who got married? Your friend Allie? Yes, oh, yes my friend Allie. she's the best. Yes, she is. She's yes, she the is. best. Oh, wow. It was beautiful. Wow, somebody, Their ceremony was amazing. Wow. 
Wow. But well, we went to Guy Fieri's Kitchen, whatever, which is like the world's best <laughs> slash worst restaurant. And it was perfectly I'm not yes. going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm a we, little we, judging you. I, I yeah. mean, we specifically went because we were being ridiculous, not because we actually think it's good because it's basic <laughs> and, and we love it. But yeah. um, I was getting off the, that, that it hadn't even occurred to me until I was getting off the station. I was like, my first thought hadn't even been, I'm afraid to go where any of this was. It was, I hope that it's, it's been 24 hours. I was like, I hope that they're running normal train service by now. And it it kind of occurred to me that I was like, that's like what I love so much about New York and like why I do consider myself a New Yorker is that like the instinct is not like, oh, no, you know, something terrible is happening. I have to stay away. It's like, how much is this going to impact my commute? And the next day, everything (laughs) is just going about like business as usual. The resiliency I love. So it was it was good to be back in New York. But that's my brief little anecdote. I love New York and I love seeing you. Well, Likewise. we have a loaded. I wish I lived in New York because I could have partied with you two. We could have like had. We could. We're gonna have done to have it. a girls' weekend. Oh, We're gonna Boston have to do is that. Like so point. far, we it's so like it. somewhat close and also so freaking far away when you're actually making that trip. It is because yep. it's like a it's like, it's like a three and a half hour uh, uh, train ride. Yeah, and the eighty seven Amtrak. It's always running yeah. late. It's just a mess. And so, it's really expensive. Yeah. Well, we I have. No, it's not that bad, but that I bad. mean, it's it's the the delay. That's what gets me because it's delayed, and then like a three hour trip ends up taking seven hours, which is a yeah, big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal because at that point you're like, well, I should have just flown, but yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy so a private plane for that. Tech. Yeah, yeah. Let's we have a loaded show today, and we are now going to get into it. Uh, starting with the the slow death of reality. With this AI porn story. Oh, good. We're going <laughs> the most for the rocket story of all time. Yes. The yes. hard news first. Yes. This is probably, yeah, like Christina said, the most rocket story of all time. Uh, somebody used AI-assisted learning to modify a porn video uh, to put Gal Gadot's face. Or, is Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot? I should know, I believe. Godot's face, Wonder Woman's face, onto a porn star. Uh, And I didn't, I haven't watched the actual video. They say that there are some Uncanny Valley moments in it, but the gift that they included in the motherboard story looks so freaking real that Uh I want to die. So, (laughs) 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 and this is um, one person who did this, not a company or anything. This is just one person who used technology to do this so wild so i had that exact same moment uh simone because like i'm at my campaign office <laughs> i got literally just like left a really long meeting about like women's rights and meeting with women's rights groups and then the story comes out and i can read the story i feel fine with that but it's like sure actually watching the video am i gonna do that at my campaign office <laughs> like right. i didn't i didn't feel like i could do that ethically even though it would have been ethical because it was research for this show to like evaluate the uncanny valiness of it. But oh my yeah, God. I, I haven't, Christina, did you see it? Did you yes. see it? Yes, okay. I did. Well, I mean, I didn't want, I, I, no, yes. no, no, no. Did I watch the video? No, 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 <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, yeah. sorry. No, I was, I was in a place with bad internet and I didn't quite, it was one of those things where I was like, do I want to, yeah, no, I, I'm, I also, I feel morally conflicted about it if I'm being totally yeah, honest. Yeah, same, same. Morally conflicted how? Well, there's the issue of consent. Right? That's what I'm saying because it, because yeah. it's someone else's face on actions that they didn't consent to do that they chose not to do. I mean, it's it, where does the conflict come in? I would be interested in seeing what it actually looks like. Like, I would be interested, like, from a purely like, um, just I guess like, mm-hmm. like honestly, like research level, like how what how how realistic it would look. So I, I would want to see yep. it from that perspective, and also just because there's a voyeuristic tendency of wanting to see 
like how realistic something could be. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's legitimate. This is machine deep learning. This is an application of it I've certainly never seen before. And I I think like, you know, we're to a certain extent, like all three of us are in the public eye, right? And I think that all of us like there's a it it definitely brings up that fear factor. Do you know what I mean? For yes. all mm-hmm. kinds of professional women about this kind of tactic uh, being out there. So for me, I think it's a very legit uh, thing to wonder, like, how realistic is this? Could they do this to someone I care about? Could they do this to someone I know? Could this be used to harm someone's reputation? That's an utterly legitimate question to have, especially as you said, Simone, this is like done by one Reddit user, essentially. Yeah, and video is becoming increasingly, it has been increasingly important you know, since television for anyone who is in the public eye, there, it's not hard to find video of someone's face that could be no it's used not. in these applications. Well, um, we've already seen, yeah, because we've seen for 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 decades at this point, people doing fake nude photographs. Mm-hmm. This is just taking it to that next level. Yeah, how do you feel about? I guess the the difference between that because I I've always thought of photoshopped nudes uh, as also being gross but this like on a totally different level is just icky yeah no i mean i think i think that that any photoshop stuff is is terrible but i feel like this feels like more of a violation because it is in motion and because again it's it's depicting you know activities um even though some of the photoshops have become very very good um to, to, to the point where you know individuals like have to like you know just you know dispel claims saying this isn't actually me you know and it can be really hard to tell the difference mm-hmm. uh, but i think this because it, it's an action and, and and it's pornography which has you know its own um uh you know kind of uh, stigmas and whatever attached to it and we can debate whether they should or shouldn't the fact of the matter is is that you didn't perform those actions yet your face is there and and it, it appears that you might have and that not in addition to having the uncanny valley aspect of just being like this is a weird future like it does feel especially like you said i think icky is a, a great word for it Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm taking another – brazing through this motherboard story again, and they actually make the point that um, this is likely done with photos, manipulated photos, not video even. So that – I mean, everyone's already screwed basically because our faces are online <laughs> everywhere. I don't, yeah, yeah. The, the tech aspect of this is interesting and how it links back to news is also interesting because we've – talked a thousand times about the proliferation of fake stories and how easy it is to do that and this kind of takes that to yet another level where yes it, it not just for creating fake sex tapes about people but for creating any kind of fake story about something yes. could be easier and well, easier that was my thought you know in a tactic we're seeing with the alt-right increasingly is them uh you know, basically baiting fake information out there to try to like, and then they point to the fake story. They try to do this with the Washington Post. Then they point to the fake story that got out there to like make it seem like something didn't happen. So imagine someone uh, like using a police officer's face to like fake a uh, police shooting video or a police brutality video, right? Mm-hmm. That right. is something that could, that was the first thing that popped into my mind with this technology. And like you could have people doing that and then like come forward, make it seem like a hoax and like make it seem like, you know, this police violence isn't a real issue. This this really has a lot of uh, deeply concerning um 
you know, ramifications for, you know, court system. I mean, the fact that we're going to be getting into a point sooner than we're going to be comfortable with, with being able to fake video, um, you know, that's going to affect court cases. It's going to affect news. It's going to affect everything. Like this is, and you cannot stress this enough. We are really in the gen one of machine learning and deep learning. Like the stuff we're doing now with it. It's what the web was in the nineties. Like that's what it's going to look like five, 10 years from now. No, I agree. And I think that I think that you're dead on. I think that, that um, we have to think about how this sort of thing could be used negatively. But I also think that that means that we have to start being much more, even more than we already are. And clearly, people are already individuals who are already really bad at sussing facts from fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the, the Facebook news stuff has just kind of proven that. But I think especially there's been a certain point where, you know, people have said, well, if I see visual proof that I know it's real. And and first it started with like things like fake tweets or, or, or fake stories or fake things that, that people said. And now I think it's going to become, you know, having to really suss out and, and, and examine videos and examine photographs. And, and, you know, audio stuff is getting better and better too. So, I mean, eventually you get to the point where you could even have fake things being said. It, it mm-hmm. does become really concerning. On the one hand, it's, it's really interesting from a technological standpoint. And you could think about in a context that wasn't about pornography, you could think about, you know, just the, the, the way that the, this technology has become so good so that if you had, you know, an actor passed away, or if you're trying to do something else with flashback scenes, you know, I, I always think back about like the Sopranos when, when uh, Tony Soprano's mom died. Um, I think at the end of the first season, the actress that played her died. They had to like superimpose her face like on another actress's kind of yeah. body, and it looked very crude and it was kind of made mm. fun of at the time. You know, now for not a lot of money, you could you could do that uh, potentially. And that's kind of interesting. But we have to think about these consequences. And I think it means that as consumers of news and as the people who put news out, as well as I think the platforms that push it out, we have to start becoming cognizant of the fact that AI tech and, and, and all that stuff is making it incredibly easy to make stuff that might be indistinguishable from mm-hmm. reality. So to speak. And it's very hard to make your mind forget something that you have visual proof of it. If, if you see it as being true, even if you know it's a fake, it, it's, I think it does create biases and it kind of messes with you, uh, which is why this is just going to be a very, it's going to be very interesting moving forward, how we handle the advances in AI. Yeah, there's definitely a, a legal aspect to this that we need to be thinking about. So, uh, ah. it's, God, yeah, this is it's it's. I really feel bad for you know, like this is this is Gal Gadot. Well, you know, like, apparently yeah. this she's person amazing. also did yeah. videos on Maisie Williams, who is uh. like sixteen. And yeah, I was going to uh, say Taylor Swift, which is Dutch Aubrey gross. Plaza, uh, and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, and and they. In the motherboard article, um, they are interviewed talking about the the ethics of it and uh, the d- deep fakes. Who is the uh, username, the Reddit username of the person who did the video? Uh, said that every tech, quote unquote, every technology can be used with bad motivations, and it's impossible to stop that. I feel like that's you're already kind of in it buddy that's the bad motivation like it's this is a bad use case for the technology (laughs) and yeah Yeah. you can make the argument that someone was someone was gonna do it but i don't know that that (sighs) this is just something that needs to be thought of like from the base as the technology is being invented people need to be asking themselves these questions of how it's going to be used 
I mean, all three of us on this show, you know, we are pretty sex positive women. You know, yes. I am strongly for like, I think pornography, that's awesome if you're an adult. Like, I think sex workers should be treated with respect. I think like it should be decriminalized. I mean, all of us, like, we're, we don't have puritanical attitudes about this, but the issue here for me is really consent, right? Yeah, I'd like, agree. You're, you're essentially harming someone's reputation. You're, you're basically taking this woman that has worked very hard for her career, and you're exploiting that in a way that's just not respectful to her. So I, to me, it's like if you want porn, more power to you. There are a lot of women out there producing that work and consenting to it and just like do it ethically. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's well said. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Backblaze. If your Mac or PC crashed right now, what would you lose? (laughs) I definitely, so I, I would probably... Uh, any any PDF that I've signed in the last <laughs> five years, uh, photos and stuff that I have on my computer that I haven't uploaded, like the the in between step where you know you you need to back them up, but instead you've just put them on your computer, uh, and you you're lazy and you don't back them up and you don't use the cloud because you're you're a lazy person. I I would I would lose those and that mm, don't like the thought of that. We all have documents and projects and contracts and photos and things like that on our computers that we could lose at any moment should our computers crash and we might not ever get them back. So having a backup disaster, obviously, is a a looming threat that we try not to think about. But you can avoid being stressed out about this when you sign up with Backblaze. Backblaze offers unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs for just $5 a month. $5 a month, you chill out. Backblaze backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, everything that you have on your computer that's really important to you, they can protect that. And it's not just for the catastrophic data disasters. It also lets you restore single files so you'll have access to all the documents that you need no matter where you are on the web or from your phone. And of course, if you do end up having this disaster scenario of the computer being completely (laughs) fried, Backblaze can send all your data to you on a hard drive and they'll even ship it overnight. And, you know, we could all actually probably use extra hard drives anyway. I know I wish that I had one right now to save my photos on it. Backblaze has restored over 20 billion files. That is a big number. And uh, there are no additional charges. It's just $5 a month for full backups. So if you are interested in peace of mind and relaxation, you can get Backblaze by visiting backblaze.com slash rocket to get a full 15-day free trial. Let them know that you came there from our show. That's backblaze, B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E dot com slash rocket. Uh, And if you already use Backblaze, You can tell your system admin at work to hit the business backup link at the top of the page. Don't put it off any longer. Backblaze.com slash rocket. Thank you so much, Backblaze, for your support of the show. Can I say something about this before we go to the next topic? Yeah, totes. Like, even if you're somebody that uses, like, super duper to, like, make the perfect copies of it, get this for somebody that is like just not a techie in your exactly. life because they're going to be coming to you later and they're going to be crying and they're going to be asking to work miracles that just cannot be done. I mean, you know, 
what I find in my marriage being the tech person, so much of my job is like figuring out what Frank can screw up on his computer. And it's like solutions like this, it's great. Like what I love about Backblaze is it just backs up silently. It's slowly in the background. And it's just, it, it doesn't take resources. And this technology has improved so much versus where it was a decade ago. Like this is, this is a great product for someone that's not a techie. Thank you. Yeah. Ah, story number two <laughs> of our packed day. A probably yes. happier story. Mac yes. reviews. Mac Pro, iMac Pro reviews. In fact, there are several missing pieces of that. <laughs> Apple really <laughs> needs to work on their product names. <laughs> the new iMac Pro uh, got a few pre reviews this week. Uh, verdict is it's a baller machine. Yeah, it it it's for five thousand we dollars. Well, the except the model that was reviewed was not five thousand dollars, and and unfortunately, as of this recording, we don't know how much it costs because the, mm-hmm. the it won't be available for purchase until the fourteenth. Um, we're recording on the thirteenth. Oh, um, that's also, so cool. also happy birthday, Taylor Swift. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had to have to get that in there. Today is Taylor Swift's birthday. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I we don't know how much the configured model is going to cost. But um, I would probably guess seventy nine. I, I, I guess probably seven thousand dollars. I would guess um, maybe more because it's one hundred twenty gigs of RAM. So you have maybe seven grand. I don't know. Anyway, it's going to be expensive, but um, but it does look killer for sure. Uh, I I have to be honest. This machine. Well, let's let's tell people what what the reviews basically ended up shaking out before. Like I tell you, what I think. I mean, yeah. What the review showed is like it's. For me, at least, this is exactly the machine I expected. Uh, you kind of had three people uh, had reviewed it when I checked it today. Uh, and you, know, you had everything from like Final Cut editors to like aerospace engineers, like really <laughs> taking it through its paces. Oh, and, 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 yeah. uh, and Cable Sasser, uh, uh, Panic's um, uh, uh, co-founder, um, oh. he did a Twitter review, actually. I they got that. him one. Oh, I yeah. missed that. Oh, my Which, goodness. He, he, did, he did like a little mini review on Twitter and, and he uh, he loaded in um, a Firewatch and and uh, did um, some some comparisons on that. It was it, That was interesting. But anyway, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, the reviews are basically, this is a, it's a much faster Mac. The rendering times are good. The GPU times aren't stellar, but as far as like the, the binary, uh, you know, like crunching and compilation times, like it is, it is an exceptionally good machine, particularly for video use. So I don't know about you, Christian, this is exactly the machine I expect us to get. No, it's exactly what I expected as well. And I do think that video is like the key there, right? Like I think that for some people who might be doing certain types of VR development, um, which again is very, you know, kind of video and like processor intensive focus, like it would be great. Um, but I think that this is very much a, like this is the sort of machine that I would expect to see all over places like Vox or Gizmo Moto Media Group or or other, you know, places where they edit and do tons of video. Like I would expect rather than buying the IMAX they've been buying today or, or, or the Mac Pro, uh, you know, canisters, um, this would be the kind of the, the kind of standard issue that you would get and just kind of set somebody up with because yeah, please get that's me one really of these because that's Shout really out what to it's Jim Bankoff. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, I mean, he needs to do a couple other things too, but um, recognize a couple <laughs> things. But um, um, but <laughs> um, I agree with that statement, Christina. <laughs> yeah, but but no, I mean, um, uh, feel free to edit that out if, if you're no, not you're fine. Mode, but um, <laughs> but um. 
No, I mean, but like, yeah, I think this is like a great video editor's <laughs> machine. This is certainly not, I mean, just like like the first attempt at redesigning the Mac Pro was, like this is not for your everyday consumer, like period, end of story. But if you're doing a ton of 4K editing um, and, and taking in sources even higher than that, I think it could be great. Um, but I do have some, I do have some concerns and I'm I sure do you too. do too, Brie. Yeah. Yep. Why don't you talk first, Brie? Well, I, first I have to say my favorite detail with this whole thing is they yes. even released a black lightning uh-huh. cable. I love that. Which I want so badly. Keyboard. And, and, am, oh god! It looks Same. good, though. Yeah. It, it looks, looks it good. It the does. black cable. Not only is it black, but like the little, like the painted white part of the lightning is painted black. Like yes. every detail. God, it's beautiful. And I gotta say, honestly, like you had joked, um, kind of. You kind of joked, Brie, back in June when we first learned about the iMac Pro that I would buy the iMac Pro just so I could get it in space gray. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie to you that even the base model, which is five thousand dollars, yeah. Like, it's one of those things where I'm looking at my beautiful uh, 2017 5K completely maxed out iMac that I spent like $3,500 oh, no. on. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I probably should have just paid for that. <laughs> it's, just, it's a good well, color. I it's just this a really good looking machine. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And you know those black lightning cables are going to go on eBay for like $10,000. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you yeah. what. Right now, I would be actually completely content if I could just get like the the uh, black Magic Trackpad 2 and the black uh, extended keyboard and the black like lightning cable. Like I would do all of that. Like I'd be so happy. Um, uh, I'm going to catch I, I you wonder- going over your iMac with a Sharpie or something. Oh, basically, no. yeah. To send it to Colorware or somebody. No, I mean, I, I, I love my iMac and I don't need... I don't need a fifteen hundred dollar more expensive machine just so I can get a a color. Or like that's, do that's, you? That's no, dumb. you save but, but, money but, by th- getting a shelf for an iMac and throwing it in your bathtub and putting dye in there and running an electric current. No, through you're it right. And you're anodizing right, you're right. it that way, then you can get a custom color and save money. There you yeah, go. I know. <laughs> you know, Grant would, Grant would probably Rihanna do that. <laughs> yeah, yes. Grant would probably really enjoy that as a project, actually. But yeah, no, yeah. I. Uh, but but, anyways, let's, let's talk about our concerns. So yes, so you, concerns. So, uh, heat, again, heat, heat, yeah, heat, heat. Anyone that's owned an iMac, anyone, anyone that's owned an iMac, like you, open it up. After a few years, and you go and get your vacuum cleaner, and you vacuum all the dust out, and then you do it again because it gets freaking filthy back there. Because uh, any Mac Pro has been designed to disperse heat efficiently. Yeah, look at this thing. There's no way to clean it out. There's uh, There was a one comment from a YouTube video saying there wasn't even a sound coming out of it. And I'm like what the frack? Like you've got workstation parts in there and not like a hardcore fan that like, I'm sorry. I get that live Apple people don't want their machines to make sound, but like if you're trying to, if you're spending $5,000 on a multi-core machine, that's just a sacrifice that like good engineering should make in my opinion, at least. So I am really I I just don't know how I feel about that. I'm not sold. Is it going to blow up? Is it going to be a fire hazard? You know that my last uh, MacBook uh, Pro. You know, did, I yeah, literally it burnt it up. I did. Fried, I did. Didn't I burnt it? out the logic board, and that's just from using Maya. Not anything super complicated either. Like heat kills machines. You know. Now we we we've observed Apple moving or making a lot of decisions that we don't like with a lot of their computers, the kind of neglect of the Mac or the Mac pro line. Uh, We don't like the new Mac books. 
But this, to me, aside from your totally legitimate concerns, when it comes to like the power and the specs, this does seem like a good functional machine that has the things that I expect from this kind of product. How do how do we feel about the relationship of the iMac Pro to, I guess, Apple's relationship with developers and profession, creative professionals? I mean, I feel pretty good about it. I feel like this is a good step. I mean, I still feel like they're going to have to once the once we see whatever this mythical Mac Pro, you know, looks like, that <laughs> will be a lot to say. But I do feel like this is probably a, a good step in that direction uh, because it is, um, you know, finally delivering um, some some really powerful performance. That frankly, I talk to a lot of people who do video editing, and a lot of people have moved to Windows not because. Um, well, it's for two reasons. One, the way that Final Cut 10 was developed, and even though it's gotten a lot better now, was so frustrating for many people that they've moved to Premiere. And Premiere's cross-platform, so you don't have the lock-in that you used to have with the Mac. Um, and, and the other thing is that for people who need to do more work, it's just been, if they're already using Premiere anyway, they could build a custom PC rig that yeah. would be that, that, would, that would do what they needed to, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they might have preferred um, you know, Mac OS for other reasons, if they're primarily doing video, it was hard to make the argument to pay the inflated price in some cases for what performance you're getting. But so I think this is a step in the right direction. I do want to talk about one thing that kind of bothers me a little bit, especially at the price point of this, is the fact that no aspect of it is upgradable at all. Yeah. Yeah. But is that yeah. is that typical for this line? Um, no, it's not. So the 21-inch um, uh, 4K iMac has ceased to be upgradable. I think that for, for the one that for the old, the original 21 inch models or 21 and a half inch models, whatever you could upgrade the Ram on those. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got rid of that feature a couple of years ago, but the 27 inch 5k iMac, like the one that I have, you can upgrade the Ram. Now you, you, if you open it up and go through a lot of hemming and hawing, you can, you know, replace the, 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 um, SSD, um, chip, but that, that is, the sort of thing that most people aren't going to want to do. But the RAM you can upgrade. For instance, I did save money on mine by buying it with 8 gigs of RAM. It came with two 4-gigabyte sticks installed, and then I bought more RAM. Um, I, I got like you know another 16 gigs off the internet and put that in, so now I have 24. And then if I want to you know go to 32 or go to another quantity, I can do that mm-hmm. later. So, um, you, But you could upgrade the RAM, whereas this one... Um, you can't. And, and and that to me is a little bit problematic because that means that when you buy the machine, you're having to make the decision, not just on the SSD, which I can understand because at this point you have enough external ports that, and more than likely you're going to be using um, external drives or at least, uh, you know, some sort of NAS system anyway. Um, but um, the fact that you're stuck with, you know, having to choose your, your RAM capacity at time of purchase I don't love, I, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I, I don't love that. I know it, it's it's one thing on the laptops, and I, I haven't enjoyed it on the laptops, to be honest. It's not something I've really appreciated, but you can kind of come to terms with that and say that from an engineering perspective, that's what they need to do. And look, perhaps the way that they had to wire all this stuff in to get those bigger things, maybe they, you could make an engineering argument. But I just feel like you were you still have it on the cheaper model. Yeah. Why are you doing it here Especially when you're calling it pro, I, yeah. That 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 I that I, I'm going to be honest, I don't love, and it feels, I I don't know. It just I think for most people who buy it, it'll be fine, but it just makes it to me even more of like this is a kind of a turnkey appliance that that you know someone's buying for a very specific purpose, um, and and that is not really 
I don't know. I, I, I no, don't love I'm it. right there with you, Christina. The thing about the Mac Pro line is it has always been, you know, Apple's flagship modular computer. And what I like about the, uh, you know, the old cheese grater Mac Pro I have from 2009, <laughs> which is still a fantastic machine, it is an amazing machine. Uh, you know, like you can op- open it up and I swap hard drives out that thing all the time still. Like when I'm working with Windows, I'll pull out a couple of hard drives, plop them in there and then start to work on that. You know, when I'm doing video editing, I have hard drives. I just open it up and plop it on in. Like that is that modular nature is part of what the Mac Pro line is known for. And even the trash can Mac Pro, like you could upgrade the video card in there. And yeah, you couldn't do storage. They assumed you'd be going through Thunderbolt for that. But still, like you could get to the guts of the machine. For something that has their pro name on it, I agree with you. This is the fact that it's just a completely sealed off system. It it would really be giving me a lot of pause if Apple didn't have like a, a real Mac Pro computer coming right around the corner. Mm-hmm. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace, where you can enter offer code Rocket to get ten percent off at checkout. Ten at ooh, enter offer code Rocket at checkout to get ten percent off your first purchase. I know how to make words come out of me in the right order. I also know how to arrange my Squarespace website to be aesthetically appealing, and it is simple and easy. Maybe even easier than making words come out of my face. So maybe it's time for you to make your next move with Squarespace which lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Whether that idea is an online store where you are selling your absurd wares, or a portfolio where you are showcasing your beautiful art, or a blog where you are making words come out of your hands in an orderly fashion, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about it. Squarespace has it covered. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you can't make the things come out in the order that you want them to, someone will help you with that. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name as well, which is pretty great. And all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed and minimalist and lovely. And there's a lot of fun features that you can play with. And they also, on their uh, their website, they tell you what features are with each template, like what you can expect to get from it. And that has been really, really fun. Like if you're going through looking up, like, how do I get a beautiful... I random example a header image on my homepage that has beautiful text on it and they'll tell you what te- what templates support the feature that you are envisioning in your website which is super cool I like it uh love my Squarespace website Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com and when you decide to sign up use the offer code rocket at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for us here at Rocket and Relay FM. That is again squarespace.com offer code Rocket. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to the depressing but important topic. This Let's is, do it. This is really interesting, and I would appreciate 
uh, you introducing this, Brie, because the saga of Exile, <laughs> uh, the of Russian Matt newspaper, Tidy. has been going on long before I was able to be understanding and reading things online and has continued yes. and spilled over into your life uh, this up to this year. So yeah. set us off. So, you know, we're having a long, delayed, extremely important conversation in our society right now about the abuse of women in every single corner of life. You know, actresses, politicians, happens to women in the freaking House of Representatives. You know, we're we're finally having a really, really important conversation about this. And, you know, I am delighted at all of the just really terrible men uh, that we're, we're, we're bringing to be accountable. But something that's happened lately is um, there been there was one really high profile example of us uh, getting something wrong. So, you know, last week we saw Sam Cedar, who is a very leftist journalist on, on MSNBC, had basically one of the ringleaders of the alt-right, uh, alt-right uh, bring up one of his old tweets and get him fired uh, by taking it out of context. Uh, they looked at that and they reversed their decision, which was very good. We are also seeing in this like reckoning about you know structural sexism and harassment work. We've seen another. Um, uh, we've gotten it wrong about someone else, and this man is uh, Matt Taibbi. So, uh, what happened is there's been uh, whispers going around for for years about Matt Taibbi, and um, I just I can like. You know, Simone, like, can I tell you my story about what happened with him? Because I think this is really interesting. So, yeah, the all right has been going after me for years. And sometimes they do things like, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. They impersonated a journalist for Motherboard. They got my cell phone number, impersonated a journalist for Motherboard, trying to get me to say all kinds of stuff like on the record, on tape to like embarrass myself. Uh, and like I called up Adrian Jeffries cause she was the editor at the time. I'm like, did you send this person? She's like, nope. <laughs> and then that was Creepy. a very, that was a very enjoyable phone call immediately after that. So in the same time period of my life, I started getting these, uh, emails from people claiming to be uh, feminists. And it's like, warning, extremely graphic sexual abuser, Matt Taibbi, raping women at his workplace. And this obviously gets my attention. So um, somebody starts sending this to me with all these quotes about Rolling Stone writer Matt Taibbi, uh, you know, with a bunch of quotes from him from a book he supposedly wrote, they supposedly supposed to be biographical, uh, basically claiming that he sexually abused some women at work. And, uh, you know, it's a whole long email that just was really inviting me as a prominent feminist to go after Matt publicly and condemn him for these supposed actions. Uh, for me, I am a former investigative journalist. It was very concerning, but it seemed very flimsy to me at the time. And I started uh, looking into these claims. Uh, and they, they're just bogus. They're completely fictitious. Uh, they, the quotes don't come from him. It comes from his former business partner and it's from, uh, a book about something that's clearly not, not journalistically true. It's like a mixture of true and false, 
But uh, the alt-right was trying to give this to me and spin it as something wholly true and get me to destroy him. So I, I traded emails back and forth with this person. It was obvious they wouldn't come clean to me about who they were, or what their agenda was. I, I kind of just wrote that off, like this is Gamergate being Gamergate. But what what happens? I have gotten permutations of this email for years and so have other feminists, very prominent feminists I've talked to in back channel. Like That's there's so been a very weird. It is. Uh, and what's really disturbing about it, Simone, is they're trying to take our very legitimate concern for women being abused in the workplace, which is a very real problem. But they're trying to use it to go after one of the best investigative journalists that we have working today. Just in case y'all don't, like our listeners may not know, Matt Taibbi is one of, like, he's written the definitive book on uh, Lehman Brothers going bankrupt. His newest book just came out. It's on Black Lives Matter and Eric Gardner. Like, he actually went and interviewed everyone in Eric Gardner's life, like his children, his wife, uh, you know, the people that live in his neighborhood. He's the real deal, and he's got legitimate enemies. So, um, Basically, what happened this year is in the aftermath of Harvey Weinstein, a lot of people seem to have fallen for this uh, like deluge of misinformation about Matt Taibbi, most notably The Guardian running a piece on it that just doesn't hold up, in my opinion, to any kind of journalistic standard. Uh so what happened this week is Paste Magazine was the ones that actually acted as journalists and went and interviewed these women that Matt Taibbi supposedly raped at work. And it's it's a complete lie. We've got that on the record. And nobody's really running retractions about that. So yeah, Christina, what do you... I mean, I know you have thoughts on this too. Yeah. So I mean, to kind of give a little bit of context, Matt Taibbi, before he was a Rolling Stone journalist and before he kind of became known for a lot of the really good reporting that the Brie point rightfully points out, he when he was starting when he was in his twenties, he um, started up kind of a an alt, uh, kind of a, a satirical newspaper zine um, in Russia called the Exile, and it was very much of its time. There's there's a great Vanity Fair profile, kind of looking back at the Exile and at at um, at Matt Taibbi and at his um, uh, former business partner Mark Ames, who who was his his co editor and co founder of, of that um, newspaper, and it was really kind of of its time where they were, in, in their words, trying to kind of take a satirical look at at doing um, the type of journalism. There at, at the time, there were a lot of people who were either going to Russia or to other places and kind of writing kind of expat style things. And, and it, th- this was kind of their version of that. It was obviously very much kind of influenced by, by Hunter S. Thompson and, and kind of the gonzo journalism thing. And, and a lot of the stuff in it was, was very misogynistic, very um, outlandish. And whether it was satire or not, and I think, you know, there's been, there's been proof to say that the, the things that they said in their book, which was kind of like a, a post kind of a coda after they were kicked out of Russia, which is a whole other story. Um, even if that in and of itself wasn't true, um, there's there's something to be said whether or not the anecdotes themselves were were funny or, or how well they've held up over time. And, and I think that the the honest answer is that most of the the stuff has not held up well. And, and that looking at it now, it's not. It, it it's really hasn't. No, <laughs> no. And, 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 you know, 
even yeah. even when I was because I've been kind of looking into this Mark Ames uh, Matt Taibbi exile thing. I've I've known about them for a really long time, and and even you know seven eight years ago, it was one of those things you're like, wow, this this isn't cool. But now, especially in this climate, it looks really bad. So I think that obviously, but but I think there are two things happening. One is that um, there's this renewed interest uh, that comes from a good place of trying to kind of eradicate and, and, and call to attention people who have a systemic history of, of, of being um, awful. But then I think there's this other thing, which is people who've long had something against Matt Taibbi or, or also his, his former business partner, you know, Mark Ames, trying to go back and, and use things that were written in the past as a gotcha moment to try to say, oh, see, they did this. And, and, and there's a very big difference between having things that are written that are really gross and, and frankly, just like not defensible in terms of uh, like there are things that you say, this is gross and, and I don't understand how you could ever think this was okay um, and, and actually, you know, committing violence um, or, or sexual assault against someone like there, there's a big difference. So there, there are things in his last, like his, his work, uh, his book, Insane Clown President, about uh, the Trump administration, which is a compilation of his Rolling Stone articles. I love this book. I've read it five times, but there's stuff in there about Hillary Clinton that, in my opinion, it, it just, it kind of structurally minimizes the, the sexism that she dealt with in this election. But it's like, I don't, uh, you can think that Matt Taibbi might not have the best perspective on what women face in America, but also feel that him being falsely accused of raping oh, I, women I agree. at the office. Yeah. Oh, I, think oh, I, agree 100%. I think that's like, true. This and is the then relation. on the other hand, yeah, I would also yeah. not be surprised were allegations like more uh grounded allegations to come out i wouldn't be surprised yeah. just because that, sure. that's kind and of I what i expect fair. from somebody who was so closely well, involved with that content that being said yes your, your point about this weird alt-right whisper campaign that's been going on for years is very valid and i think that's something that we all need to be very aware of. of again in this incre- yeah. age of increasing misinformation um yeah is that it's <laughs> There are going to be new tactics for creating false stories and confusion and chaos to undermine legitimate concerns um, from people who just don't give a crap about anything except themselves. No, and I, I, I would agree with that. I would say one thing, though. That I did have one – I did have a couple of problems with the Pace article. I thought by and large it was good that it's kind of setting the record straight, although it, – because of Pace's own kind of history of why they do things, you kind of wonder, yeah. like, why are you writing this, and 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 what what what's your angle here? You know, why why are you you know standing up so vociferously to defend someone? Is that that article? While I agreed completely about it calling out the hit jobs done by places like 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 Breitbart and the Daily Caller, I really did kind of take exception to it linking to quote unquote takedowns by Jezebel and the Daily Beast because those stories were a lot more nuanced and weren't accusing Taibbi of anything. In fact, the Jezebel story was kind of talking about how he'd made apologies on Facebook for what he'd written, but it denied other things and it basically said, look, I'm sorry. I feel I, – I, I regret many things that I wrote, but I've never done these other things. Um, and, and also linked to the fact Mark, Mark Ames, who did not apologize for anything he's written, basically said, I've never done anything wrong, but I don't apologize for having written it and how dare you excuse me. That's a whole other thing. But, but I do think that it is fair to say – you can call it to attention. Why have we allowed whether they've uh, an assault allegation is one thing, and and I don't and in 
um, falsely accusing someone of that is, is horrendous. But I do think it's fair to draw to, to start having a conversation about why white men, especially when it comes to in, in media and when it comes to writing, why certain white men have been given um, ha- have been allowed to do things and have been given kind of the privilege and the ability to rise up and write books and get advances and go on TV and have these storied careers when they have a history of doing things that frankly aren't great and treating people in a way that's not great and it's kind of looked at at least in in the media community and kind of the literary community as you know oh well boys being boys and, and gonzo journalism and, and isn't this person outrageous when it's actually pretty gross and and so i think that that is a valid critique i also think that the daily beast uh story was much more nuanced and again it had maybe one paragraph about mark ames not about matt taibbi and it wasn't saying um you know it, it was just kind of talking about the controversy but again it was kind of talking about this this bigger kind of reckoning of, of, of what's kind of happened to this certain type of, of, of you know, media, um, you know, star uh, that now in this era with, with all of, of everything that's happening in this climate is no longer a good place to be. Whereas for, for decades, people like Matt Taibbi, and again, I think he's a great journalist, but if you read the Vanity Fair article um, and you read about his interaction with the reporter yeah. who's writing that story, yeah. it's yeah. it's – that's an, and that was in 2010. It was not something where you can go, oh, this is this is a great stand-up guy. You're going, what a jerk. Yeah. But yet he's continued to rise and be lauded. And I'm not saying people who are jerks shouldn't be able to have professional success. I'm just saying we need to start questioning, I think, why some people's behavior has always had a pass yeah. and they've been able to succeed, whereas other people haven't even had an opportunity. Um, so I did have issues with that with the Pace Report. But I do think that your broader point about how um, – we have to be careful about taking something that that has like a, a you know misrepresenting situations because it fits in with a narrative that um, you know can be can be sold um, when it doesn't actually represent the truth. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a really scary thing. Always, and, yeah, always, always yeah, be fact checking. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like we we say, believe women. Uh, here in this case, like nobody bothered to go talk to the women and ask them. Like the Paste Magazine article was the second, uh, the journalist Walter uh, Walker Brannigan, he was the second person to ever talk to them. I talked to the first, Eileen, uh, for quite a while on the phone uh, when she was looking into this. So, um, you know, I really, I would agree with you on this, Christina. You're dead on that there are certain people that get a lot more second chances than the rest of us do. And I do think that Matt Taibbi is correctly under a microscope from right from here on out. What you said, Simone, like you wouldn't be surprised if other allegations came out based on, you know, some of his behavior that is factual and is reported. I completely agree with you. And if something came out tomorrow with a woman coming forward with credible information, I would take that very, very seriously. But I just do think that I think that we cannot allow our concern for women to be manipulated by the alt-right into a weapon that they use to take down uh, people that they don't like. And Matt Taibbi is someone that has three extremely powerful enemies. Like he's gone after Wall Street in a way very few journalists have. You know, he's gone after police violence in a way very few journalists have. And, you know, Russia is also really not a fan of him. They kicked him out of their <laughs> yeah. country for a reason. Hmm, so, three you know, really relevant. <laughs> yeah, right. They're, they're, Time, yeah, so they're timely. people really invested in taking him out. Yeah, that that's another really good and valuable side of this. 
Well, and I think what's interesting, too, as you pointed out, Bree, is that this is a campaign that's been existing for, for a long time. You know, the, the first kind of Breitbart attack on, on, on Taibi based on what was written in the Exiles you know, book came out in 2011. And that was in a direct response to some, some um, profile he did on the Koch brothers. And, and it's just kind of continued. The, the difference is, is that now they're able to kind of – and I don't, know, I don't even know how successful it was. They were at least able to get people riled up on social media. I don't know how much – more than that they were able to do, but they were able to get people to start kind of throwing around, you know, um, kind of get it tied up into this Me Too campaign stuff, which is obviously very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 but it's really interesting because I think it shows how easily it is. And this kind of goes to what we've been talking, what we talked about in our first story, how easy it is to make something look legit that's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to say this, like, you know, <sighs> I don't disagree with you that like the Jezebel stories were really, really, it it was nuanced and I have no issue with it from a journalistic point of view, but there is this tactic that the right wing excels at, at like rumor mongering. And I've been the victim of this too, right? Where you've got enough people that start whipping up a rumor, even if there's no truth to it. And then a credible journalistic outlet is reporting on the rumor I do have to take issue with the fact that at least with Taibi, no one went and actually talked to the women. Yeah, who I mean, that, yeah, I'll, that's I'll a reporting well, mistake. Well, I, it is and it isn't because at least in the Jezebel case, they weren't even so much reporting. They weren't reporting so much on, on Taibi's um, allegations. It, it was in the context of Mark Ames and things that Mark Ames wrote and whether it was satire or not. I would say that that book, it's unclear if those were the actual names of the people used. And these are people that live in Russia, and it can be difficult to get people on the phone. Now, should you reach out if you're going to write about an allegation? Sure. But you could also make the argument that it could be a difficult situation to get someone in another country on the phone and say, were you actually forced to do something? That that that, that in and of itself could could feel invasive and could feel wrong. And I so I think that, it, the, you know, again, I, I'm not in any way defending the Daily Caller or the Newsmax or, or, the, or the Breitbart stories. But I do think that the stories in the Daily Beast and on Jezebel, I don't have any problem with them because I think that they were more commentary on um, – kind of the ongoing conversation of, you know, men behaving badly and, and by, by this case, beha- behaving badly, not being um, necessarily meant to, to say assaulting someone or forcing them to perform sexual favors, which was not the case, but just kind of having a history of being really gross and of being misogynistic on a pretty, you know, uh, base level, but yet still pretending you know coming across as maybe an ally or you know what i mean mm-hmm. like yeah. i think that i, th- I think that it, it's fine to cite you know the jezebel um um i think that the, I, I actually really like the jezebel headline which was writers matt taibbi and mark games service no one but themselves with their satire and yeah. i think that, that that was a really good point it's a, regardless of what excuse you're using and using satire the fact that you're you think that it's funny you think that it's worth it's something is worthy of satire is writing about how you're forcing a 15 year old Russian, you know, um, prostitute to get an abortion or else you're going to kill her that, you know, no matter like that, that's, that's not funny. And, and, and the fact that that would be written and even reviewed when the book came out in a way that was seen as, Oh, those guys are crazy. That's gross. And, and I think that, 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 that that's worth talking about. I, that said, I mean, I think if you were going to actually report on, 
the allegations, which I only really saw in the alt-right. I didn't see the mainstream media taking the allegations stuff seriously. Then I think you'd be right. You would need to maybe investigate the claims a bit more. Um, but instead, they're just they, – what, what I think that the big thing is that they were using the words and something that was not a true account to say these are things that happened and look, they admitted it themselves. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I think I agree with every word you just said. Absolutely. Um, I did see a lot of uh, major feminists calling for Taibi to be fired. Yeah, there's a lot of Twitter, yes, Twitter activity. Yeah. I was going to say, well, I was going to say, but, but I think it's important to draw a distinction between outlets that write op- opinion pieces um, or editorials about or, or broader trend pieces about kind of, you know, behavior and people on Twitter or Facebook calling for people to be fired. Because I, I, yeah. I, but I, you know, I, I but, but I do think that that you do make a good point, which is that a lot of times this conversation and these types of, I hate to use the term witch hunt, but in this case, it kind of became one, um, can stir up over stuff that's not true. And it can be really difficult to get the real story across. Yeah, there's definitely a conversation to be had about ethical reporting on discussions that are happening on social media. Because that can that's a whole whole mess of confusion that also can can be sown by fake accounts, for example, or in this case, legitimate accounts that um, have gotten information that is not good. And the world is a very confusing, distressing place. <laughs> and I'm going to go live in the mountains. <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's good. I know. That and I, I'm good. going to end this now. I feel like there's another thing that I've been tossing around in my head that just in, with regards to what you've been saying, Christina, about the satire and this type of journalism slash satire that they were doing, which is that it's the kind of journalism that only a man could get away with. And yes. I think that that's yep. another just we don't really have time to discuss that. And maybe it's not the place for that. But it's true. It's gross. <laughs> what are we up to this week? Wow, Brianna, what are you up to? I am moving to my gorgeous, freaking awesome, beautiful new house. And I'm also dealing with the aftermath of the child that came and smashed up my brand new gorgeous Porsche. No. I was leaving I was leaving the shop where they were doing my 40,000 mile service on my car and a kid that was learning how to drive smashed into the back of my Porsche no. and did a lot of damage. So, I'm oh, pretty no. pissed about that. I'm pretty pissed about that. Good day I've for that kid. I've been very angry this week about that, but fortunately, oh. his dad has excellent insurance oh, which oh, I'm God. Very Gosh. happy about. So, Oh boy. Yeah, his his rights are going to go up a lot because he got uh-huh. a lot of tickets from that. So, Jeez. yeah, uh, pro tip, if it's a single lane road and you're choosing to turn it into a two lane road while speeding, maybe keep eyes in front of you to see if you're going to smack into somebody. Say That's a, just a, a big a driving pro tip. right in front of you. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Christina, yeah. what are you up to this week? Well, um, my company's holiday party uh, or my group's holiday party is uh, Thursday. And I'm very excited about that. How many drinks and, do you get to have at it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what's amazing? I think they actually kind of treat us like adults and expect that people aren't going to be gross. And so there's not a limit. Also, it's at the, pop cult- it's at the Museum of Pop Culture. Oh, so I there love will be that place. Oh. I haven't been yet. So oh I'm really looking God. forward to going. That is so exciting. I'm very excited for you. It's a wonderful yeah, so museum. So, so, so stay tuned to my Instagram and my Instagram stories because I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing a lot of Instagram storying 
from the pop culture museum. Are the most of the exhibits going to be open? Do you know? Yes. Oh yeah, my they rented gosh. out the place and they've opened all the exhibits. Oh so I'm my excited. Gosh, I'm extremely jealous right now. Uh, <laughs> so I had my show. My new show came out this week. It's called Game Ooh. Ogre, and I can finally talk <gasps> about it. I'm so Yay! excited. Tell us about it. Is it's, it Encyclopedia Brown based? It's the most ridiculous. <laughs> no, unfortunately, that has we're still in the pitch process on the Encyclopedia okay. Brown show. Okay. I, okay, I'll get there. Okay. Uh, this is a very silly show that was actually pitched by Pat on his very first day at Polygon, uh, and the crux of it is that he and I are cursed by an, a game wizard who uh, turns us into a two-headed ogre and forces us to complete video game challenges. So we wear a two-headed Christmas sweater and play very difficult video games, (laughs) each with half the control. It's very extremely silly, and I love doing it. It is so much fun. What video game did you do this week? We started with Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh. And there's a moment where I discover one of the mechanics of that game that I didn't know about, and I literally just burst into tears because the Which silliest mechanic? thing happens. And it, it, I, I encourage everyone <laughs> to enjoy it. I think it happens within the first five minutes, and that will be in the show notes. Can we? Can we? Can I like pitch games for you to play? On yes. The show? Oh my that god! Please, awesome. if you oh have my ideas, god. yeah, this is a good idea. The one, I the one seeing, thing that I'll just I, suggest right off the bat is that yeah, first-person shooters don't work as well as you might think they do because the the operations are so divided between the halves of the controller. Like it, and we tried it with Call of Duty once, and it ended up just being like hmm. I would be in charge of moving and getting a cover, and Pat was in charge of aiming and shooting, and it, it didn't like have the <sighs> didn't work the sort well. of communication that is necessary to make the idea funny. Anyway, but keeping but, but, that but, but in but mind, I still, I, but I still really want to make you do Golden Eye that way. That would yes. work. That would work. How about how about Contra NES Contra? Ooh, oh my god. Lives. Yes. God, okay, I'm writing these so down. Hard. Okay, Contra and Goldeneye. Brilliant. This is why. Oh this god. is why I I've keep got you a around. Whole list now. Oh my god. Yeah. Thank okay. You. Sorry. <laughs> all right. How about Street Fighter? No, that wouldn't work. No, at Street all. Fighter wouldn't work. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I think yeah. you would run into the same kind of problem that you have with uh, the most first-person shooters. We just be yeah, button mashing. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna be the jerk in your comments, like telling you what to do next. Like, no, that's what we I want see, because we have so. our own list of games, but it's we need more suggestions always. Okay, because okay. we're gonna run out. Um, so Splatoon. yeah, leave suggestions, please. Uh, and Brianna, where can we find you online? Well, if you want to support my uh, congressional campaign, you can do that by going to supportbrianna.com. I got to tell you, it was a, it's been a really good week. We've seen that uh, you know candidates can win with support. So uh, yes, yeah, you know, if you want better tech policy, if you want to affect the things we talk about this show, go there. And you can also follow my delightful Twitter account at SpaceCatGal on Twitter. Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Snapchats, which I'm never on, um, and uh, other places. So yeah, check me out there. And you can check out um, the videos that I do at at work at uh, channel9.msdn.com. Noise. And I am on Twitter at Doom Quasar and on YouTube at youtube.com slash polygon, where you can, again, find the very, very silly Game Ogre video. Um, and we also have a Polygon Show uh, Game of the Year special coming up, uh, I oh. think, next week, which is going to be super fun. And that's going to be a YouTube uh, video. So exciting. Meanwhile, I, I have Persona to go back to playing games. Not get ne- I hope Persona 5 does not get neglected. I've we not seen that do get not neglect love. Persona 5. 
because it is one of the only <laughs> games the four of us have all played. <laughs> um, um, br- breaking news, you guys. I I, I, pa- I just pasted this in our <gasps> chat. I'm very sorry to have to do this to you. No. This is amazing. Um, I cannot wait. Starting um, on a December 15th nationwide at, at Regal Cinemas, what? they are going to be selling Cheetos popcorn. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. This is like oh. the, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. My husband thinks this is gross because I just texted him this because I'm like, this is we have to see Star Wars now at a Regal Theater, and he's like, no, we don't. I'm like, yeah, we do. This guy's, I think this is the if our first story was the peak rocket story. This is the peak rocket snack. Yes, oh. I agree with that. December fifteenth. You need to see a really bad oh horror movie to make this work. Yeah, no, I need to I see really any movie, movie, any movie, any movie at with all. this, any movie at all. Like I just, I love this. <laughs> I, need these. I love everything about this. I, this makes me furious because I'm seeing Star Wars tomorrow on December fourteenth. Oh my And I goodness. will not have Cheetos popcorn. <laughs> I need it. Okay, I'm, I'm calm. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you're just gonna have to find a way to. Uh, I'll just walk uh, to, into a theater go, and just buy what, the popcorn. What you'll popcorn. do is you'll you, you'll go see it a, a second time. Yeah. You are probably right. There's <laughs> a good good chance of me watching that movie a second time. Uh, speaking of which, we should probably talk about that. Uh, we should probably all see that, and so we can talk about it on our show. <laughs> We yes. Will. We good will. call. Good All call. right. But before we terminate the show, Samantha, yes. What about what about this? This is a really good suggestion. What about getting the NES Classic and then playing your show, <gasps> The Secret of Mana? That would work well yeah, because it would. if one person is doing the fire button, you're going to have one person moving around and then another going like, okay, hit now. Cause you have to be very strategic with your timing Ooh. and like you're going to be trying to operate the ring menus. That is a perfect game for this. Secret of mana, Contra, Goldeneye. Okay. The, these are good suggestions. Okay. Just my friggin' email drafts so I can send this to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. All right. Um, you can, of course, review the show on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. That is a really helpful, wonderful thing you can do for us. And send, tweet at me, game suggestions for Game Ogre. Um, <laughs> this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.